Hello, welcome back to the Subway Podcast. Peace and it's got the usual Six Nations men in the studio, Zachary Hutchison, Harvey Carter. How are we boys? He's keeping well, Zach, as I always say. You're looking well. Fuck. That's very kind. You're looking well yourself. You're very dapper in your wee shirt and jumper. Um, so yeah, I'm not looking, looking well. Harv, you're looking swell as always. Don't worry. I'm not going to forget about you too. Oh, it's all right, mate. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm in something that is not appropriate for leaving the house. I'm, I'm very much in your casual PJs, but mm. it's been an at-home day today, so oh, I boys, suppose it's got an excuse. Yeah, comfort. It's the way to go. And yeah, Definitely. boys, uh, no Six Nations, bit of a shame. No rugby to look at for the weekend, but balls of his, uh, it meant that our last pod didn't, uh, we could just fully focus on reviews so we could really go on our rants and stuff, but Back on the previews this week, we'll go game by game. Scotland, Scotland, France. First game at Murrayfield. Had a look at the Scotland team there. No real surprises other than Johnny Gray has been ruled out, which is a big loss because I always see Johnny Gray as in like Hog, Russell, Johnny Gray. That's like the big boys, the spine. But Loki, Johnny Gray. He always misses out in those Lions tours and I think the last two he's been rumoured for, definitely the last one. Um, but that is a big loss. He is a he is Lions quality. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like I don't think they'll miss him that much. I think Gilchrist is a solid, solid replacement. Um yeah, I mean also Darge first start, he was talked about in our preview pod. Um, so he's kind of getting a first start, which is big as well. But I mean, I think for Scotland, it's just kind of keep the same team and just keep going. I think is I think it's the way to go. You just kind of pick yourself up and got to go again. Um, no point cha- making massive changes, and Gregor hasn't done that. No, nah, just injury enforced. Like there's no point in. Well, it is kind of broken, but don't think what's not broken and that team put England away at home and at Scotland at Murrayfield we all know are a different beast I think that's the way we describe Scotland now Scotland at Murrayfield different beast could be anyone in the world Scotland away from home hit and miss um, but at Murrayfield at France I've fought this game for a while is the most likely one for France to drop to drop points as we say uh, I know Harvey are very anti Scotland beating France at <laughs> Murrayfield, so I'll open up the floor to you. And your French friends are pretty much full strength. There's no real changes at all. That French side, the usual halfbacks, that midfield noise starting to become the, you know, no one's talking about no very Vakadawa, the Six Nations. Like nobody's discussing it because it just isn't an issue. We love depth chats, it's just not an issue. That back three now is starting to become the back three. That French team's come very settled. I mean, you get a settled side, you win trophies. Yeah, I think obviously the only the only slight difference is Moafan is out on the wing, isn't he? Um, and Jan, Dante, Janty, or however you pronounce it, is back in the centre role. Who I think played the first round, didn't he? And he played really well. Um, but I think I've I've been a I've got a bit of a soft spot for Moafan. I really like him. I don't know why. He's been in my fantasy team since day one as well for the Six Nations. And I just think this France side in general, like, I know we always mention that they're such an exciting side, but they've always just missed that one game. This is that game this this year. It's the one to, like, you know, potentially bring home the slam. It's the one that potentially 
settles this France side and actually is a proper, proper test. Because as much as I as this on Scotland, you are right. Scotland at Murrayfield are, are a different beast. Um, and the backs of Scotland, you know, there's been a bit of rotation in the pack, but the backs are very settled now. I think I don't. I think they they almost pick themselves in a way. Um, and that Scotland side is is still very good. But for me, this France side, they look they look like they have it this year. They look like they have it all. Um, you know, they put off a very, very impressive Ireland side um, and, uh, you know, had an easy start to the Six Nations as well. And I think I can just see him doing it. I can see him beating Scotland. I think it's going to be a tough game, but I can see him beating Scotland at Murrayfield. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I just see it. Well, this is this is also, you got to remember, I think, as well, like this is France's first major test. Oh, well, away from home is what I'm trying to say. Um, obviously, Ireland was a massive test, which they passed. Um, to get the win but like we talked about it just how home we talked about it in the last part home field advantage is so important so it will be interesting to see because they have to now go away to Murrayfield and away to the Millennium and all of a sudden it's kind of like these are tough games so in some ways like this France team has proven it's a solid team it's settled like you said but also as we know it can be unsettled very quickly you know just hypothetically Scotland do win and all of a sudden it's there's chat about is this front side kind of peaking or has it not fulfilling its potential and all this chat kind of comes around again so it's kind of like it's at this point i get scared when we get to the preview for the weekend i'm kind of like i don't really want to make any predictions because i feel like i'm always having to eat my words you know because i've always said with these predictions and these previews go with the home side because so far the home sides have always come through bar italy obviously but is this the week then you go away from home you go, you push the boot wire a bit. Well, they're obviously, France are obviously going to miss Villar, aren't they? I think he's yeah. he's obviously had a very good Six Nations so far, but there's so much strength in that France side. So much strength. And I mean, I know they've had a few changes and stuff, but like in general, like you can pick their starting 15, but then when there is injuries, boys come in and it's not the big Joey Carberry debate, is he ready and stuff. They literally just slot in and there's not much chat about them. They just go from there. And they did a full Six Nations with Jelly Bear. So, like, any position I feel they're okay. Maybe scrum half. I don't really see someone coming through that is really challenging, Antoine Dupont. But But it's also Dupont. So, (laughs) if there's any position that you're going to lack depth, it's where you've probably got one of the best players in the world. So, it's kind of a... If you're gonna have like depth somewhere, that's kind of where you probably want it, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like France are an incredible machine, incredible rugby institution at the moment. You know, it goes to show just just how strong it is domestically. Like, it, you know, you, you have to look at them just as an example for this, and it's now. I think it's now really starting to bear fruit just how their domestic game is so strong. Um, but also, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, and do you think do you think the wee niggles, the wee injuries, will actually help them because then they get to build depth again, or do you think? Yeah, it it's, it's that balance. It's, it's, it's that ba- Yeah. No, you're right. Like, because it's that balance of momentum in rugby is huge, and we've all seen it. Where like momentum from autumn internationals in November carries through to the February. It is. It is kind of weird thing. You look well, not all the time, but you look at like Ireland, for example, bringing through that momentum they had 
from an incredible autumn series, stuff like Wales and coming close to France and the Stade de France. So it's kind of like there is there is something there. It's just kind of like you don't want to tweak too much in case you kind of lose that momentum and a freak loss because you didn't actually strengthen your side as much as you should have. So there's that element to it as well. But um, I mean, like if it's forced changes like little niggles and stuff like that, then I mean, it can only be positive for France. They have the, they have the depth to do it. Um, but at the same time, <coughs> I'm probably going to back... Scotland. Just, I don't know. I just I just have that feeling. I just have that feeling. I don't even know I'm gonna be able to watch the game on Saturday. I'm at the stag. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna have it on in the Guinness factory in Dublin. But um hopefully they've got TVs in there. I feel like they should have TVs in there. Yeah, surely. They like they will in like the little cafe restaurant, but probably at the back. Thinking, right, yeah, right yeah. at the very top. We, it's a Guinness we, factory, like they've not got ruggers on in the Guinness factory then. I mean they sponsor Six Nations, so I feel like they have to have the Six Nations on. That's actually yeah. a great question, Zach. That's something that yeah. Well, yeah. I'll be back if anyone know. works there, let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be yeah, I'll be I'll be reporting back. The Guinness factory does have the Six Nations on. Um I'm trying to just look at the Scotland team here. Is there any kind of noticeable difference? I'll I'll, um, I'll give you my explanation while you're looking at that on why I think France are gonna win. You look at the backs for both sides, and I think they always take the headlines in the Scotland and France team because they've both got probably two of the best sets of backs you can have in world rugby. Like they're honestly up there that well. For me, the rotation in Scotland side, not having Ferguson, not having Richie, not having Johnny Gray, and you look at the physicality France have had in the Six Nations, and as they've started to build, I think that's going to be the difference maker. The the ability to hold possession, the ability to utilize your set piece, like. I could just see France making the most of it. And I think in, unless there's some some magic man plays from Scotland that can potentially pull up enough of a point buffer to, to overcome that, I can only see France winning it. Just yeah. based on that entire reason, really. You're right about the pack. Like, you're losing Johnny Gray and obviously Richie then in the first week. That is too... And you've not got Fagerson Scotland. at eight either. Fagerson's, you know, Fagers, not yeah, involved like, either. They're all nailed on stars and Fagerson's made that position his own, which was a position for Scotland that they didn't really, especially last six nations, they wanted someone to nail down that eight jersey and it finally got nailed down. But just before yeah. it's kind of chat with Scotland, I surged up the French team from that, uh, the time they beat uh, Wales so, um, when they denied Wales the slam. And they had Doolan, Teddy Toma, Vakatawa. Um, it is kind of interesting to actually look at that side and it is amazing actually how much depth they have and for any coach around they need to look at France and how France I know a lot of it's injuries but how they subtly rotate and subtly change and subtly give opportunities uh, like in that one there and that uh, uh, Bear at 10 as well um, but no, it is very in Charles Olivon, another one that's no one's really chatting about. Um, like that's what five changes there. That's a third of the te- starting team from the last six nations. So like it's amazing how they're building depth and no one's really talking about these players missing. But we are talking about Scotland's players missing, and just in terms of going on to predictions, I'm leaning towards Harvey and it's hurts me, Zach, but I just feel <laughs> the pack. What's got? Don't get me wrong. If these boys come in, I don't know much about um kind of those new players that have come in, but if they come in and they show us why, they will stop. Like Richie and Johnny come back into the side, then Scotland can win. 
these boys need to hit the ground running and have a huge game. Um, like some Sam Skinners and all need to go up another gear and really um, put, yeah, put Scotland not just as the plucky underdogs anymore, but we can overcome adversity with injuries and stuff. But I just feel the French debt beats the Scotland debt for this occasion. I feel the pack will get the better of them. And I could see it being a long afternoon for Scotland. Was that a six-two uh, split on the France bench as well? Ah, that's right. They went, they went Dylan a back rower, isn't he? Yeah. They went six-two. They went six-two against Ireland as well. Um, but I mean, no, my, predict, there, my predictions: can... uh, France by fifteen and <sighs> slam, slam as well, and truly all. And that's 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 unlike me. I usually that go for Scotland like at Merrifield. This French team's too yeah. good, Zach. It is, it is, but like at the same time, it is one of those weird Six Nations, you know, it, it's building to be one of those weird Six Nations. Honestly, I'm going Scotland. The key is going to be the start, the fans, like the atmosphere is going to be incredible. Like I need to find a TV in the Guinness factory big time. But like, I've literally just realised that now it's kind of like, this is the quarter past two kickoff. But no, honestly, like I'm, I'm quietly confident for Scotland. Um, my quarter Scottishness coming out. I feel like if they can get a good start, get an early try, you know, get an early penalty, kind of Watson turnover, and then put it in the corner, Finn Russell, and drive them all, and see what happens, and kind of put the doubters wrong about maybe the pack and stuff. You never like you never know. But the key is the start. If France start like they did against Ireland last week and quieting that Murrayfield crowd, like you talk about home field advantage being key in the Six Nations, like that's it for France, like they need to start well, both teams need to start well and um, there could, could be that thing where whoever starts well maybe wins the game, that's kind of where I'm going at the moment, I could be totally wrong and to be honest at this rate as history goes I'm probably going to be wrong but um, I'm going to say a really tight game I'm going to pray for some weather to play a part which will deny France the bonus point try I'm talking maybe Scotland win by maybe three or four within a score, within a try. Uh, Rory Dars, man of the match, new boy on the block. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to have a big game. I think he's <coughs> genuinely, a lot of people in Scotland fancy him. And Scotland, they're like, they need to show off their back row depth because it is there. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to go Scotland to win by about five. Um, very low scoring game maybe 17, 12 or something, which sounds very random and kind of very anti what's happened the past couple of weeks. But there you have it. Yeah, I think to end that prediction run, I think I'm siding more with self based on what I've said as well, in the sense that I can see a convincing win for France. Part of me, there is that little thing in my head that's going, it's Murrayfield, lad, it's Scotland. You know it firsthand. This doesn't happen. But they don't get battered at Murrayfield, but who knows? Like, I can see it being scoring. I think the two sides lend themselves to, to scoring a lot of tries. Um, I could even see Scotland going ahead, you know. But I think I think it's going to be 27-19 to, to Scotland, to France, sorry. Just edge, maybe the bonus point. We'll see. Mm. Decent predictions, and then... Want the Wales, England, or England, Wales, however you want to call it. Um, an interesting one. Um, obviously, it's in Twickenham, as I always say. Home advantage is everything. But Wales, 
they've done it before, as I always like to say, 2015 Home World Cup in Twickenham. They beat them. It can happen. Um, but I don't... I look at this Welsh team and, again, if they're going to win, it's going to be like the last game against Scotland. It's going to be a grindy score from a mall, a couple of damn big penalties, a few mistakes from England, can't get the flow, and they grind it out. But I... The big talking point is obviously the ones, the players that you would get excited by and you would think can change a game, the likes of your Louis Zamets, they're not in the team. So is PVAC just parking the bus, essentially, in a rugby term and just going to play boring rugby and try and grind it out? Because that's the only reason you, you go Cuthbert over Louis Zamet. Def- better, better, bigger boy, bigger boy, better defensively, and just keep it tight. And a bit bigger chip away, a bit boring, but the resources that he has for the Six Nations kind of has no other option. Yeah, like it, it's it's interesting. Like there's nothing in that, you're right, like there's nothing in the Welsh team to kind of get you excited. Uh, even like coming off the bench, like Amskin, I don't know, he just doesn't get me excited. Kind of like a bit of flair coming off the bench. Jonathan Davis, um, he's clearly going for like a kind of similar, like you're bringing, you know, like, so you're raising your rules off the bench. That sort of... Well, follow toys back in. Yeah. So we pay back's fair, a big addition, and, huge addition. Yeah, and to be fair, I think it was said, who oh, was it by? Stephen Jones in the Times said the Falatoy is the best eight in the world. That's kind of, that's a big claim. But the way he's playing for Bath at the moment, even with <laughs> and Bath being so bad, um, he is, he's, he's a massive addition to that Welsh team, kind of leader from the front, a lion um, who will, who has the experience for kind of a hostile Twickenham crowd. Um, and yeah, like it, it, it will be, it will be very interesting. Um, it's going to be a tight game, I definitely think. But yeah, new Louis Rees Samet. Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be kind of Eddie June's tactic from Wayne Pivak, kind of leaving him out. I think it's kind of like he's young, he needs to be honest. He's, had, he's kind of had it his own way. You know, he's in that Welsh team last year, made the Lions squad and everything. He kind of needs maybe a bit of adversity to kind of bring him to another level, to another gear, you know, go back and pray for your region. And then we'll we'll see, you know, see what you're really made of. Um, I don't know what you boys think on that, but that's kind of my thinking with it. Yeah, it was me and Harvey had a great discussion on it. And weirdly, Harvey was very pro Blue Zama. And I, it, was, it felt like it actually affected Harvey. I felt like he was going <laughs> to cry about it. But I know Harvey's very passionate about young players and stuff, but we kind of on the narrative of, you know, it's always they're always the scapegoat because they can't, they're never going to stay at that level at that age. Well, it's one of those. I think what the way the way I summarized my argument when we were chatting about it was we put these guys to a standard because they have these big breakthrough years. You know, the likes of Jacob Stockdale, you can also bring into that fray and you put them to the standard constantly. And then, you know, you got you've got to remember the guy's still what, 21? Like he's still a 21 year old. It's just that he's now acting like a 21 year old or he's playing like a 21 year old rather than the 28 year old consummate 100 cap professional that we were seeing from him last year don't get me wrong, I still think he's got a massive impact and I think it's probably more fitness related than anything that he's not involved um, because you've got to protect these players and you don't want them to, you know, burn out quickly or get major injuries and then fall off the wagon, Jacob Stockdale. Um, so, 
I just, I just don't know. I think I think Larry Summit has still got plenty in him. I think he's got plenty of learning to do. And I think you need to just hold a little bit of leeway on these kind of players. He's got, you know, we, we said it at the start when we were doing our previews for the entire tournament. This isn't a tournament that Wales need to prove much in. Um, they had a cracking Six Nations last year. I think I think PVAC still got a plan for them. And obviously with the amount of injuries and how cursed they've been in terms of selection options in the Wales squad, you know, why fight or why climb the mountain when there's not really a need to do it? So, you know, there's no real way to stretch these players and I don't think there's any need to do it. And I think he's just protecting him. He's bubble wrapping him a little bit. And I think he's trying to put the arm around the shoulder a little bit and say to Zamo, look, just build your confidence back up, you know, because you don't want to knock these guys back. You know, playing in Twickenham when you're potentially not at the top of your game can be a make or break and it's a cauldron to go into. And that could be, it could be huge. And maybe it's just, yeah. it's wise management potentially. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to read into it all. And obviously we'd love to know their insights, and but you'd never get it, even if you were one of the best interviews in the world and you kind of just got to assume and make your best guess. That's a very interesting point. I like that because I just think Jacob Stockfield is the prime kind of example to kind of compare with in this case because he just, yeah, he was kind of in that, bad, it was almost like allowed to keep having a bad run of form in the team. And rather we're dealing with it. And I know that you said like Zamet could be more fitness related, but I think that kind of that rupture from the team is almost really helpful, kind of character building, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, like putting the arm around the shoulder and kind of being like, look, let's build up a bit of form for club and then go at it again. Kind it's, of. All, it's also like to cross sport. Sorry for doing this, but someone mentioned yesterday about Anthony Alanga, the Man United youngster. And about the, the key attribute for youngsters is they're fearless. And when they're fearless, they just do things out of pure confidence. And there's no there's no real, you know, there's the classic phrase, class is permanent, form's temporary. And what you find in these young players, they obviously don't have class. You can't have class at 19, 20 years of age. It's impossible, unless you're Kenny Mbappe. But to go back into rugby, the point is maybe, you know, Zamo was in a Wales team that was winning and winning well. And he was playing well and it was just positive, positive, positive last six nations. And maybe that just built off him. And he was just a fearless player. We saw him doing these crazy kicks, these crazy runs, having time, space. Whereas the actual fact is Wales have been dominated in possession almost every game they've played the six nations. They've been on the back foot for most of it. And realistically, that doesn't play towards a player like him because, you know, he gets exploited. He gets criticised for his defence and maybe that's something that he needs to learn at club level rather than trying to learn it at the international stage. The whole point is you're meant to have known these things, build your trade, know what you are before you come into the international stage and maybe trying to teach him this defensiveness against an England side at Twickenham or against the France side or anything like this is just a bad way of going about it. So maybe, you know, yeah, playing at Gloucester, build yourself up, but, yeah. come back when you're 23. The guy's got plenty of time and just cater him a little bit more to his needs for now. And when he becomes a more complete player, there you go. But you haven't killed him off beforehand by trying to make him into someone he's not. Because yeah. he came in, he came in due to kind of half penny, half penny Williams and start that Six Nations. Uh, they didn't really have, oh, no, it was Josh Adams, Josh Adams with the whole. Yeah, the COVID thing. Yeah. Breaking COVID rules and stuff like that. And then having to then use free games to play unbelievable and go on a Lions tour, um, which fair play to Josh Adams. Didn't blow it, but. Uh, regained it and uh, and Josh Adams on the wing again we know what Josh Adams can do he's 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 the finished article he he is in his prime doing things and I've always said Josh Adams is superior to Lee Reece Summit it was interesting in the pre, well, was preview pod 
we asked we asked Robert Rees, big Welsh man, about Lewis Hamilton. I asked the question, do you think he can stay at this level? Because we've seen it with Stockdale, and as Ulster fans, it was the most yeah. happy I've ever been as an Ireland fan because you're like, that's my man. That's our boy. He's the best player in the team. And then when it all goes wrong, you're like, uh. And now Mark Hansen's like, you said last week about the honeymoon period. Louis Samet was in that honeymoon period and a big factor as well is there was no crowds. There was no atmosphere. He could just play rugby. He's not experienced a big Twickenham crowd when he's maybe not 100% fit. Yeah, Alex yeah. Cuthbert has, and Alex Cuthbert will do the job Pivak wants him to do because uh, yeah. Pivak isn't going to play a wide, expansive game and get Louis Zamet on the ball as much as he can. There isn't much point in playing him, and this will show. And I say it constantly on this pod, time and time again. And I don't particularly like him because I'm an Irishman, but someone like Mara Vitoji, when the adversity comes, he has criticism, he delivers man of the match performance. And that's all Louis Amma has to do, just just overcome it. And big, big moment in that kid's career. And I have no doubt he'll come back because he's that good, but really an interesting from feedback and a sign of a good coach as well that yeah. doesn't give it new. This would blow up social media, and it has, and just stuck to his word. And I'm a big romance man in sport. And Cuthbert, we all remember what he did back in 2013 at the Millennium. Beating England, scoring a couple, and Wales winning the Six Nations. Um, it's his fiftieth cap on the weekend as well. It's a nice story, Cuthbert. Looked like he was done. Struggled against, struggled away at Exeter. Twenty thirteen, Cuthbert Zach Lions, unbelievable player. It's a nice story. We forget, like we forget that Cuthbert was a lion. Like Cuthbert has test lion, test yeah. lion. Like, he was him and him and North were the boys, like you know. So it's kind of it is very interesting just how he's kind of just been, had just gone through so many years of just struggling to get in the team, and it just kind of like, it's great. It's just great to see him back. Like I think he's 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 kind of been like one of those guys, kind of he's kind of just been kept hidden in a sense down at Exeter, and he's putting in incredible performances. And I know this season Exeter aren't the same team that they were, but like he's a crucial part to that team. Um, the winning machine that was Exeter a couple of years ago. Um, so it's great that he's kind of yeah kept Jack Noel out. Kept oh no yeah kept kept Jack out. exactly you no, know no, yeah Noel went into fullback and uh, Copper went on the wing for the prem final and Hogg was on the bench and that whole thing remember that whole for the Lions yeah. Hogg's not starting for Exeter that was because of Copper so yeah. the man's decent and I'm chatting myself in now to a copper winning try it's fucking him and stuff and I need to just focus on actual previews so we'll get on to England and they have the romance man man who's back and as annoying as it is as an Irishman that man is incredible but he has not played and a fully firing fit Manu Tulang is unbelievable the question is is he and how is he the type of player that can you can just throw him in and it gives you go forward man of the match performance? Do you, Tarv, you're nodding? You, you, yeah, you both of us, both he's, of us. Manitou Lange is the guy you stick on the end of a play, he's not someone that needs to warm up to, like, you know, the type the style, the tactics. You know, as long as he knows that Marcus Smith's going to be spiraling that ball to him, or Slady's going to be spiraling that ball to him, or he's going to be chasing something high and wide, the man will do his job, he knows what he's doing like he's got thighs and hamstrings like tree trunks for a reason and he's got one job to do and it's grab that ball drive hard and get tries and he'll do it 
He'll be, and I think he'll float well as well in that 12 spot. I don't, I think I can see a bit like what happened when we played Italy. Slade will kind of become that second 10, but then he'll go out wide a bit. It'll be very dynamic. You've got Noel floating in as well. I could see Tulangi stepping out wide. I could see him sitting in the 13 spot. It's, it's dynamism. It's, I love it. Like it, I can just see, I don't know. I'm getting really excited just looking at that, all those backs oh, there. Yeah, and Tulangi yeah, just fits into it perfectly. We, and we, we were saying it, we, we've been saying it the whole time. We need dynamic powerful players in that back. So that's what England have been missing with, you know, Anthony Watson and Johnny May both being out. Maybe Jack, maybe Manitou Lang is your man. He's the guy who, you know, sometimes you need that person that could just unlock the defence from, from the backs. And it's sometimes just doing it through brute force is the way you have to go. And he's your man. And he's always been that guy. And as long as he can actually stay on the pitch for a reasonable amount of time and not get injured in the first 15, 20, that's, that's my biggest worry. It's never, I've never, ever, ever even worried about Tulang having a bad performance. It's I'm getting worried that he's going to get into contact and cause himself an injury. And well, it's just hoping that well that doesn't the, happen. He's got a track record for being too aggressive and putting a few high shots as well. So that's, that's a, that's a factor that could come into it. But that England team now, it's, it is starting to come together. You can see it's that, can't you? Randall's well getting the start, getting a big start. Randall's a big vote of confidence, a huge vote of confidence from Eddie. I really I, respect I, it. All. And like, kind of like, if it works, it works, you know, respect Eddie. But I feel like the England backline is too exciting. There is no, I maybe Henry Slade is the calming presence in that backline. I feel like that backline needs a Ben Youngs just to kind of keep the composure. I'm just being honest. Like, I think Harry Randall. Is that Hutchinson? Are you trying to say they need zero X factor control, man? I think they need a. Con- I, I look at that back line and I'm kind of like, oh, that's, that's a bit harsh. That's harsh. You, I, were, you had, you had, think, an X, you had a bit of X factor in your day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I really didn't. Like, um, that, was one, <laughs> that one game in second year against like Nathalie or something. Um, like, I don't know. I just. Yeah, this is my. You're right. It's my own rugby bias coming through. But I look at that back line and think maybe Henry Slade. To be fair, but apart from that, I just don't see a kind of leader in that back line. Smith is still. I still argue Smith is still in his debut stage, and obviously, like he's like there's no doubt about it. He is world class and will be one of the great. I think he's up there being one of the one of the greats. But just alongside that, just. Yeah, obviously, like the last game played was Italy, but it's Italy. Like the last game you played basically was Scotland at Murrayfield. Having that kind of, I just think the experience coming back to Twickenham, playing a Welsh team which will be going for the win. You know, there's no doubt about it. They will be confident and they will know that they're they have a shot. I just feel like starting with young. The Wales team that beat the team that beat England. I know Six Nations mass does not make sense, but yeah. Yeah, I mean you're you're right, and like obviously it's, it's also a Wales team going to Twickenham, so they've got that part to play. Maybe maybe if it was away, maybe if it was at the Millennium, Youngs gets the start just because you need that experience, um, in that side. But I don't know, and like to be honest, it could be incredible. This could be the nine ten partnership that takes England into twenty twenty three in France and also twenty twenty seven. Don't get me wrong, but I just think at this moment in time, in the present, I just feel like a Ben Young start just kind of would be the calming presence needed and the kind of collective head. I do. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to say, Zach, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I wasn't entirely convinced by Randall's performance against Italy. Um, 
I think he's still got a lot of work to do. And I think Ben Young's, you know, I've chatted praises about Ben Young's endlessly on this pod. I'd love him. And I think this is the game as you play him in. It's it's confusing one as to why he's not playing. But, you know, if if you, if none of you have watched the, the re- most recent England Next Level on YouTube, the little series yeah. they do in Six Nations, Every honestly, get on it. Ellis Genge, like a little bit of leadership, love him. Ben Young's just tutoring Randall. Randall's had plenty of attention and he's had plenty of care and he's had plenty of, I'm sure he's done plenty of work over these last couple of weeks and he'll be dying to get out on that pitch and prove himself not only to Eddie, but to the England fans and actually start putting his hand up properly for that nine role. And this is the game that you do it in. This is the game you do it in. You know, you're playing against a very experienced nine on the counter side. And I'm sure we're going to get plenty of possession. Like I said before, Wales haven't dominated possession at all, really, in the games they've played recently. And that lends yourself to a new, fresh, exciting nine. So I want to see him do things. But I also want to see him do the basics that Youngs is so good at, the box kicking, the exit strategy, all those things. They need to be exquisite. And that's that's the thing I'm really looking for from Randall. But it's like I said before, it's a huge vote of confidence from Eddie. Um, I really respect it. It's it's a very interesting system that they're probably going to go with. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I just hope that he does the basics as well as we know he can do the flashy stuff, which, yeah. But yeah. The, the, the other, sorry, the only other point I want to mention while I continue to ramble is... There's another man that's in this lineup that's returned that I think is much more important than Manu and anyone else. And it's El Capitano. It's big Courtney. Honestly, he's a man over the last 12 months or so I have come to really love and endear in this England side. And I think his leadership in that pack, you know, particularly on the set piece, and also the fact that he gives Atoje that freedom to just be a second row and not have to dance in between being a second row and a six as we make substitutions throughout the game. Atoje can focus on his role. Laws can do his thing. And Yule's in there as well, another calming, very experienced figure. It, it, it looks good for me. I think Ezekri is showing that potentially he's not quite up to the level yet at international, international rugby. Um, you know, he had a few, a few exploited moves and stuff against Scotland and also, you know, not really Italy, but who cares? Um, and Yule's, yeah, he's a quiet man. He's the librarian, but he does the job. He'll get you a seven or an eight. And I, I'm really looking forward to that pack. I think Karen Dickey back in the side as well. Definitely got a point to prove. I think Dombrat's still got a point to prove at eight. Um, that eight role is still very much up for grabs in the England side. I think that's going to be another very important thing yeah. to, to analyse in this game, particularly when you're playing up against Valatau. Like, you know, Dombrant, plenty to prove. But it's a very exciting England side, very exciting England side. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah, you say about Laws. And I feel Curry's the type of character that you can take the captaincy off and he's not going to cause an issue. He's so young that, like we chat about Smith and pretty Smith and Curry, like they're the year apart. Like there's nothing between them, if that. So, I'm sure Eddie's yeah. communicated to him like Curry's the man in line. Curry's getting the captaincy, and Laws is not getting any younger. Like he's far from young. So my question to you, Harvey, is in terms of manifestation, <laughs> if you had to close your eyes. Are you seeing Courtney Laws lifting the World Cup in 2023? Is he that <laughs> character for you? Good question. Well, that's good. The one point is, if he lifts it, no one's going to be able to touch it because the man's a giant. I've seen him in real life, but he's a, he's a huge man. Um, yes, but no, but yes. I don't know. Like, that's a huge call to make. Um Jumping that far ahead, you know, like I said before, the man's not getting any younger. I don't even know if he's got the legs to last to the World Cup. 
I you think know, what you, sums laws up is laws <coughs> the type of character, and this shows a lot. It's a really weird analogy, but laws the type of character that when he goes up to lift the World Cup, what am I chatting here? If he goes up to lift the World Cup, he's then pointing at, say, Farrell or yeah. whoever's vice captain saying, you take one arm, and then they go, no, I don't want to yeah. do it. Don't want to do it. But they, and they both do one arm each. And there's not many of those that do it. This uh, is the thing that I've loved about Laws, though, and this is why I've endeared to him so much, is he, he never screamed to me as this captain figure. He never screamed to us as this leader role. And it's only been since the Farrell injury that we've really seen Laws kind of step up. And I think you saw it a lot in the Ultimate Internationals as well. The man is just that he is just a he leads by example in a way, but he's also I don't know it's hard to explain because he, he comes across as quite a quiet figure, but I just think his maturity, his experience, like the guy's been around for ages. Like he's been in this England side for over ten years. It's a joke, and he's just yeah. He, I think he's just got something that the others don't quite have, and I think you know that's not to discredit his play in open play as well. I think he's an extremely useful character. Um, and I think six is his real role. I think he's been he's been put into second row quite a lot, but I think six suits him a lot more. Um, and yeah, I just think I just think he's got it. I, it's hard to explain. I don't, you know, I'm not a rugby analyst. I don't know the the ins and outs of it all. But something just we just look like a better side when he's in it and look more secure, yeah. look more organised. It's a, it's a cracking, cracking like direction. It's crap. It's cracking um, pack backline. Like this looks like if this England side does produce a performance against Wales. I can see them starting the next game as well. I think England's a way to... No, they're not a way to France. They're... Um, oh, Ireland, actually. I can see the same sort of team playing Ireland as well. Like, it's, it is... It's the first time I look at an England side and I'm like, here, actually, you know what? This has real potential to to play, get performances and, and to win to win games um, and even like we, we, we harpered on even like you know about the experience coming off the bench and how this is the redefining the finisher I mean you look at this team George Marler um, not sure not really easy way Simmons Young's Ford Daly like the majority of that bench are well established international players who well I, I, I'm going to include Simmons who can come on you know and kind of bring that experience as well if you're closing out a tight game against Wales which I assume it will be Prediction um, time, Zach. Come on. Points. Uh, okay. Okay. I was going to go first. Sorry. I should have been more smooth there and just let on in. Um, prediction <laughs> wise, I'm going to go. Oh, my head says England. My heart says Wales. Just, sorry. I can't check the bias. Um, now, nah, I think England's going to win. I think, you know what? Fair play to Eddie. I think he's made some big calls, which I think are the right calls. So I'm going to go England win. I'm going to say England win by maybe a try here, nine points. Um, I think probably we're talking bonus points as well. Um, but at the same time, if there was ever a team to beat England at Twickenham, he's well, Wales just have that something. Well, we can't keep saying this whole, uh, but if there's ever a team to beat England, we can say that about Ireland now too. So that means literally everyone has a moment against England. Yeah, pretty much. That's just where England are at the moment, I feel. It's kind of like yeah. every team, like every team's going in there confident. You know, England are yet to put in a performance that says we are the big guns on the block. And is the fear factor that. gone, Zach? Is the fear factor? I think the fear factor has gone. I think they need to rediscover the fear factor. Just being honest, Arv, I know you're shaking your head there. Arv, honestly, though, with when with Billy, Maku, Tulangi, when you're like, we can't stop this, where we physically can't do anything. 
like I remember just being like, we're just gonna get bullied every week. Like they're just too good. But no, it is like the fear factor has gone. And I'm don't get me wrong, my prediction's similar to Zach. I think England win by seven just because Tottenham cried and experience off the bench and just that bit more depth and the return of some big players. But yeah, I'm gonna go like that as well. But you can wrap up and then give your own prediction, but I'll go England by seven. Wheels have enough of we LBP. 32-14 to England. Let me just remind you both that the last two times we played Twickenham, we battered Australia and we beat the best team in the world. Like, that wasn't long ago. And this was a very similar side to what's playing. I don't care what you say. This is the first time in a couple of years we're going to have a full Twickers out there watching these boys, cheering them on. And let me just remind you again, the last time we played in Twickers, we beat the best team in the world. And we're playing Wales. No disrespect to you, lads, but we're going to batter you. It's 35 14 or whatever I said, and I'm sticking with that, and that's what's going to happen. God's honest truth. There you go. Write it down on paper. Stick it in the bet slip, and you'll be winning a lot of money. That's what's happening. Uh, and then, in terms of the final game, we won't spend too long in Ireland, Italy, because, look, if it, if it goes Italy, we've got a good pod next week, but we're, we're <laughs> yeah, saying it's bad, more of how much Ireland beat Italy by, but the big thing, probably we're only really going to discuss about Ireland, because as we're recording this, the teams aren't out yet, but you can't wait for every team to be announced. Or as you boys, you guys aren't. Everyone only got 24 hours to listen to the pod, so apologies only 48 hours, but, you know, diehards will listen to these. Um, and <laughs> let us know if you have. Or oh, um, listen to it afterwards and make us look all like idiots. Yeah. yeah, results yeah, but, are out. yeah. <laughs> but the chat is Johnny Sexton's going to be involved. Is that the wrong thing? And why again are we talking about Johnny Sexton? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm hoping, I mean, like, I'm going to the game on Sunday, so I kind of hope when Sexton starts, just from the point of view, like, could be one of the last times I see him play uh, in person. So, kind of like, I want, I want to see Sexton. Um, it's, it's that balance where, like, there's that momentum and rhythm you need just in international rugby, especially in Six Nations, like, and he's kind of been stop-start with injuries and things like that over the years, and then even against France. So it could be more of that, just like he needs to find rhythm against Italy, so then he can, in two weeks, when they're playing England, that could well be the factor. But the argument is, Joey Carberry was phenomenal against France in Paris, and you're kind of like, why not just keep starting him, just keep growing that confidence, keep growing the momentum that you have with him. And then, you know, if he's playing really well, just play him against England, you know, which I know you probably wouldn't. But there is, there's two, there's two arguments to it. Like, I'm not too concerned. Like we talked about last week. I'm not, I'm not too concerned, guys. Like the fact that um, Ireland did lose in Paris. So it's kind of like this, oh, we chat about like, do you just start with your same team just to get momentum against Italy? I would, I'd be, because we're at home, I'd toy with maybe kind of, experiment and Mike, Mike Laurie coming in off the bench or something just to kind of maybe we Balakun or something just to kind of give us again because you're at the game here well sorry you're <laughs> at the game you want to see I, know, I want to see I want to see the guys I, I want to turn around the boys all around me being like yeah I played against them at school and they sidestep me every time um but yeah like just it's 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 just about how much we win by we need to we need to hammer them because France didn't, and we need to hammer Italy, and we should at home, even if we get a few changes, um, we need to hammer them. That's my, that's like literally, it. that's my headline with Ireland and Italy. We need to hammer them. Yeah, Does so it, you're saying, you're saying, because it's going to come down to points, definitely, <coughs> I shouldn't be messing about here. 
yeah. you need as many points as you can. I rate that, Zach, and I agree. I think you're yeah. pretty strong. I, I still I still think maybe one or two changes, boys who are on the fringes who could, if they had a bit of game times, I, to be honest, someone like James Hume, um, who will come in and I think make an impact and maybe even add to that narrative of we need to hammer them because he is an exciting, exciting player. Um, but we just, we need... We need we need to win and we need to win well just to kind of but then again yeah this is assuming that France beats Scotland or something. <laughs> um is this revealing the plans then that Farrell expects to play Carberry against England? Or is this a warm-up game for Sexton? Well we'll find yeah. What what's your okay, as a fan, instead of trying to predict what Farrell wants, what do you want against England? You know, we always chat about with the early games, kind of a lose-lose, just batter and move on. You, you, this is all win preparation to play us. Who do you want playing 10 against England? I'm probably gonna go from a fan point of view. I'm even thinking like just from a do you fight fire with fire? Joey Carby versus Smith. A bit more kind of fighting tens against each other, or do you fight fire with Water and Johnny Sexton, who's kind of tried proven. Who is okay, uh, you, you, John, you, you start the no matter what it's England, <laughs> it's England, and Johnny needs to show Marcus Smith how to play international rugby at the highest <laughs> level. And you, start, you just start Sexton and you give him a schooling, be like Russell in week one, you let him know where you are. Oh, in shut over. up. <laughs> Move uh, on. Anyway, I really hope we anyway, beat you so I can hang right, up on we that. Might as well, like, we might as well just predict this one. Prediction time. 40, 46-7. There you go. 46-7 directly. Now I'm going to mess on Ireland. Um, yeah, you're going to batter him. And you do well against... You, you're very clinical side recently. I've said that before. Um, I think you put big numbers up against sides that deserve to be put big numbers up against. I don't think you'll mess around. You know, if you drive moles, a few nice tries. Sexton, a couple of wraparounds. You know, the classic... Yeah, 46-7. Move on. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to go, we win by 55 points. They won. Big one. I'll, I'll go 42-42. No. Do you reckon they're going to score? They don't go for post if they get battered, so they have to score I, a try. I, um, yeah, I, I think we know them. I think we know them. We'll be, yeah. 42-0, but... Yeah, boys, we'll see how that goes. And made this fun podcast. Remember to give us a follow on Spotify, Tough Road Podcast, follow us on YouTube, Tough Road Podcast, Twitter, Rugby Tell, Instagram, Tough Road Podcast. And yeah, boys, a big thanks for coming on. Zach, enjoy the game. Uh, we look forward to hearing a bit of Aviva, a bit of Viva yeah, atmosphere next yeah. week. Actual insight into atmosphere. I was thinking myself, I need to start kind of COVID and stuff like. Yeah, it's kind of just sprung back on us fans about it. I need to, to kind of make big of an effort. We'll get definitely a pod, live pod at Twitter one day. But uh, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the game and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.